Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Chicago's number one sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. A radio.com sports station. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Mark Crowdy with you until 10 o'clock tonight here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, talking bears with Chris Emma at 8. That's one hour from right now. Emma of 670thescore.com. James Nouveau covers the Blackhawks. He will be on at 9 o'clock with us. I'll have some Bulls talk, a review of the All-Star game last night, and a bizarre thing that was going on in television last night. Sports eyes were competing with Oprah last night. I don't know that that's ever occurred in my lifetime. And I will tell you my experience with Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey likes me. I'm not even kidding. And we're going to talk about that later on in the in the show. I want you to be a part of the show as always. 312-644-6767 is the number. That is our text line. That is our phone line. If you want to call in, again, 312-644-6767. I've been reading some of your tweets on Twitter. At Mark Grody Sports, if you want to get into the show and you don't mind having your handle read, because I'll read your handle if I if I can pronounce it. At Mark Grody Sports is the way to to do that. So Greg Olson, the former Chicago Bear, he was on the the Colin Coward podcast. Of course, Olson, for all those who are really really young, was a 2007 round pick um, with the Chicago Bears, tight end. He was here until after the 2010 season, and it was kind of an abrupt ending. We'll get to some of that and how it went down with Greg Olson, but this is awesome, man. Greg Olson, this is a quote from him on what it's like being a Chicago Bear, and this is what this is what Olson said. Remind you, this is a guy who played at a you know fairly big time program, Miami, and I said fairly because it's like not what it once was, but you know that's a big. Comes from a big-time program, right, Greg Olson? But this is his, this is what he said about Chicago and being a Bear. He said, it felt a little more like college, Olson said. You know, it felt a little more like a college environment. Like that day, that Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field was the day of the week. It didn't matter if the Cubs were doing anything, the Blackhawks were doing anything. They loved their other teams, but it was a Bears town. And when the Bears were playing, the environment, the energy... 
it's just different. Greg Olson goes on to say, there's no casual nature to that stadium. There's nothing casual. I remember I get there as a rookie and I would have moms, older ladies in the supermarket, the things they would say to you after a tough game, a good game, a loss. I would go home to my wife and I was like, these people are crazy about the team, almost like delusional. Bears. <laughs> ah, I mean that that's just it's amazing to hear that. Like cuz we forget because we've all been I've been here my entire life. A lot of you listening are lifetime Chicagoans or suburbanites or whatever the case may be. Some of you are transplants and you get it. You understand it and you start to get used to it. But I love hearing other people's thoughts on when they first come to Chicago and they get a feel for it. Because a lot of these guys, they don't know anything about Chicago except for Michael Jordan and that it's a big city and that it's cold. They don't really know. You know, they, they a lot of athletes, as we all know, played in sunny places. So they don't know anything about it. Never really had any desire to be in Chicago, all that kind of stuff. But when they come here, they're like, oh, my God. A, this place is awesome. It's gorgeous. It's bears and the fans. It is different. Like if, if you are a bear, you are a different type of sports celebrity. So I did. I loved here. I just loved reading that and like getting that perspective from him because I, I I've heard it in different versions from other bears players. Well, a lot of times you don't hear these things come out exactly until after they have played. So now now we get to the part where he was traded and for people who and. I'm going to assume that you remember. And what was going on then, it's it's Lovey Smith's regime, but Lovey Smith was the defensive coordinator, essentially, and he was very happy to pass along the offense to various offensive coordinators. And in that particular year, the offensive coordinator for the Bears you know, was Mike Martz. Lovey Smith and Martz had had a connection in St. Louis back in the day, so they knew each other, and Lovey Smith was like, cool, dude, it's all yours. And Mike Martz's thought then, and Mike Martz had— a, a great track record and I was happy with it. And he had been one of those guys and he's in that, that group of sports people who have had the, the word genius tagged to them because he was the architect. Many people do believe of the greatest show on turf. So he knows what he's doing, right? So he, he wanted, he wanted more blocking out of his tight end. He didn't like, he didn't believe in the, in the now the the Jimmy Graham prime type of tight end, the Tony Gonzalez tight end, Gronkowski, like think of all those guys. He believed in the Brandon Mano Maliuna type, the the big stalwart blocker, the Y, the big Y, the blocking Y. That's what he believed in, and so the Bears bought into it. And so they were down with the idea of Jer- Jerry Angelo, the GM at the time, bought in to Mike Martz and said, okay, I'll give you, because, you know, essentially Jerry Angelo was an old school, run the football, win with defense, all that kind of stuff. But, okay, but if this guy says, get me an extra blocker and we can see a crazy passing game like they had in St. Louis, I'm, I'll, I'll do it. So here's what Greg Olson said about all that. He said, I was pissed off as hell when I got traded from here. I mean, I was beside myself, Olson said. I'm like, I'm getting traded from the Chicago Bears. We just played in the NFC Championship in one of the coolest cities in the world, and I'm going to Charlotte, North Carolina? Of course, Olsen was dealt to the Carolina Panthers, 
for a third-round draft pick, which was subsequently packaged with another third-round pick being receiver Brandon Marshall to the Bears. But And you could think about all these things and the connection and how ultimately Adrian Amos became a Bear and all of that. But really, we know the key name here, and it was Brandon Manu Maliuna. That was their tight end and not Greg Olson. Greg Olson goes on to say, here we are. Oh, man, bringing our kid home, thinking Chicago is going to be our home. Olsen said, we're going to raise our children here. Oh, now we're not. Six weeks later, we leave my house, never step foot. My wife flies back there, sells it. I never step foot back in my house, fly to Charlotte, never went home again, just literally in 12 hours. And that's that. Um, so that was those were the, some of the key quotes there from from Greg Olson. And yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And we all knew, and we all knew he didn't like what was going on, that he was traded. And most Bears fans didn't like that. I mean, some people were buying in. I mean, I don't want to try to reverse what happened in history. Like some people were like, Mike Martz, man, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Extra blocker. Give our quarterback time. Let him, let's see the greatest show on, on uh, turf at Soldier Field. And it, it obviously, did not work like that and tell Martz I said bleep you and <laughs> and now the, Greg Olson now the, probably I don't know uh, the Hall of Famer I uh, probably not but he's had an excellent career you know that I know that and even Jerry Angelo eventually said that was a bad move and I should have probably not listened to Mike Martz he didn't I added that part but I'm just guessing that everybody was buying into what Mike Martz was saying and they said yeah we'll we'll take care of you we will we will grant you this request and we will give you your Brandon Manu Maliuna see how I stop and think about what I'm saying right there uh, we'll get back to the Bears here in just a little bit. Emma is going to join us. That's Chris Emma at 8 o'clock to talk Bears. He has 670thescore.com. I'm Mark Grody here with you until 10 o'clock on the score. In for Joe O, 312-644-6767 is the number. Jason Hayward of the Chicago Cubs was on the score today. He was on with Lawrence Holmes. And Hayward, no matter where he is on the score, is always a terrific interview. He's an honest, earnest guy. He always has since he came to the Cubs back in uh, 2016. Um, was it 15? No, 16. Um, I should know. I was there. I was there. He said something today to Lawrence Holmes that is my language that I loved. Lawrence asked him, is it weird that you guys won the division, but it feels like you didn't win the division? I mean, it's cool. I think, um, when you do so well at it that you have to be recognized, I think, um, you know, it just shows why we won the division when people felt like, I mean, even, you know, some of our guys, you know, they didn't have the season that they wanted to have in the regular season. And, you know, we did end early in the postseason. But to be able to win a tough division, you have to do a lot of little things right that won't always show up in the stat book. And I think our defense speaks to that. And it, and it gave us momentum. It gave our pitchers some cushion to go out there and feel confident throwing strikes. And we were able to go out there and grind out of bats and, and come up with a way to win a game even when we didn't feel like it was pretty. It was a fun year. And when I say that, I say it because, you know, the way it started, it looked like we were all going to be sitting at home and right and not get a chance to go play the game we love and compete. And, you know, you know, a lot of guys put a lot of work in to be ready to go play baseball. Um, so that part of it was fun. Um, some new challenges, but, 
it was definitely tough because I think, you know, coming down the stretch, especially at Wrigley, you know, we're playing in a close division race per usual, and you don't have that extra added adrenaline from your fans. You know, some, that's something we earned, you know, to come down the stretch with, to, you know, be in first place and, and make that push to win the pennant. And, you know, I think that's just a missed aspect for us on the north side of Chicago. Um, but also, you know, our team travels well when it comes to the fan base. So it was just just a different vibe and having to create our own, you know, our own sounds, our own music, our own, you know, chants and whatnot. But, you know, those are things that we always do. But when you have to do extra to add and, and compensate for fans not being in the stands, I think it is a bit draining. All right. The key part, though, to me is that Hayward is totally cool with Cubs fans in that, yeah, the Cubs won the division. They started the season off like on fire and then sort of faded in the regular season and then got their butts kicked, essentially, by the, the Miami Marlins. And... That's what I love about Cubs fans right now. It is Lawrence asked a great question, and it was a great answer from Hayward. The, the, you know, the thing is, is like, yeah, it did. It felt like, like usually when, when you win the division, that's a pretty cool thing in baseball. No matter how much the playoffs have been watered down because a lot more teams are making the playoffs, it's still pretty awesome to win a division, even if it's 60 games. But at this point where this Cubs franchise is, it is hollow, shallow, and no good. No good if you win a division and then you exit immediately in the postseason. And that's a precedent that was set by Jason Hayward and the Chicago Cubs in doing what they did in 2015, 16, 17. And then it just hasn't been good enough since. And I love that. I love that, that that's where we are with Cubs fans and the Cubs organization, that they have gone from being losers as an organization to being winners as an organization over the, you know, the five, six-year period, the rebuilding and then through 2017, and then lately it hasn't been good enough. And that's that's great. That's great that Cubs fans have have kept it there, and they know they know what the what this organization can be, what this franchise should be now, and where the bar is set, and it is not set at winning a division and then looking bad in in two playoff games, and then and then being out of there. And that's why this year is. Bizarre going into it, as if last year wasn't bizarre. It's bizarre for different reasons this year for the Cubs because they might not be good, and Cubs fans have to take it, and that's no longer Cubs mode. They have to take it because nobody really knows what's going on because of the the supposed losses money-wise for the Cubs and what they can and can't do, what they will and won't do, and what might happen at the trade deadline, and then that is to lose more of the core of their players in an awkward rolling rebuild. So these are things that Cubs fans didn't necessarily expect, but now they kind of sit back with a cynical eye and say, hmm, what are they doing? What is going to happen? So to that end, there's good news, though, from Jason Hayward on this Cubs team right now. now. One other thing he told Lawrence, one other Jason Hayward cut I want you to hear, is that he said that there is that there is a different vibe here this year. I think it is nice to have a uh, a different mix of a different vibe, sort of so to speak. And I think when I say that, it's um it's, I think some guys that were here like Riz in 14 and years prior to 2015 you know, having guys come in from other organizations um, that are hungry and want to win, right, looking for their chance to, you know, maybe establish themselves, whether it's a multi-year deal, whether it's, 
you know, go into the postseason for the first time or, or have new life into the postseason again. I think we have a very exciting group when it comes to that because you got guys that have, have experience going into the postseason. you got guys hungry um, to come back and have great years when it comes to health on the pitching side and, you know, position player-wise. So I think it's just something that everyone can't see. You know, there's there's the stuff that's out there about, oh, well, you know, money this and, and money that and, you know, Weren't, didn't look like we were going to make a whole lot of moves and whatnot, but I, mean, I would say our roster is constructed pretty well right now in the aspect of you got world champions, you got all-stars, you got gold glovers, you got guys to have done a lot of special things late into the year, and there's some experience in that. So gelling that together is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, there, there are, like I said, it, it's sort of, I keep using the word awkward. I'll stay there with that right now. There's the way it is assembled because, yeah, some of those core guys are still there, but how long are guys like Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, and Javier Baez, and even Anthony Rizzo going to be around? And then you bring in Jock Peterson, so that's some of the new vibe probably out there. And then the continuing development of Ian Happ, and then Jason Hayward obviously turning into a stalwart himself. All right, here's the other good news, though, for the Cubs going forward for both the Cubs and the Sox, but it seems to mean more to the Cubs because of how they make their money. And that is that the fans are back, at least right now, as we sit here right now, this tweet from our mayor, the mayor of Chicago, Mayor Mary Lightfoot, uh, Lori Lightfoot. (laughs) I don't know why that was funny to me. She's not a Mary. She's a Lori. And she tweeted today, folks, they gave us a folks, We've significantly slowed the spread of COVID, getting our positivity rate down to 2.8%, and now we can begin to safely welcome fans back to our baseball stands on opening day. Although we're reopening, masks still of utmost importance. And yeah, there's still going to be a ton of protocols. Just reading an article in the Tribune from uh, Andrew Golden, with Paul Sullivan contributing as well. The Chicago Cubs and White Sox will be allowed to have more than 8,000 fans in the stands on opening day, Mayor uh, Lori. God, why do I want to call her Mary? Mary! Oh, because of the the mayor. Mayor, I want to make that an alliteration. Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced Monday. So Lightfoot said the city will allow 8,122 of you at guaranteed rate field beginning on opening day, while for the Cubs... Actually, more. 8,274 fans will be allowed per game at Wrigley Field. So that means life back into the Cubs' coffers and how they budget their dough and what they get. So presumably the the Cubs, whatever losses they incurred, they will begin to rebuild that. And that would be good news, obviously, for the Cubs in regards to next offseason doing more signing of players because guess what? When that, you know, unless the Cubs are like in a really great spot and I mean, great, not good, like great spot by that, by the July trade deadline, there will be play. There will be at least one or two players that will be traded from that Cubs roster, like names that, you know, um, that, that will be gone, whether it's, you know, Chris Bryant or hell, I mean, (laughs) Jack Peterson, he's under a one-year contract, right? Isn't that what Peterson's under? I mean, even he could be trade bait by then. So so we'll see. 
We'll see what happens with the Cubs, but it is it is good news that there will be fans back in the stands. I wonder how you guys feel about that too. Would you go to a Cubs or White Sox game at this point? I don't know. I don't know. I might, but probably not like right away. I don't like going to like April and May games anyway. But I I think I, it's like I, I'd rather wait. I have not gotten the the shot as of yet, so I'd probably wait till at least I had gotten that, and that might be part of the stipulations. I don't know, but I'd probably wait till at least that. And at this point, like I'm just not. I am not committed to being around big crowds. Like I mean, I like going to games. I love going to concerts, but neither of those things is on my April and May list. I got some things that I'm thinking about for August in terms of of concerts. That <laughs> that concert at Wrigley Field in August, um, the rough draft, the Mark Grody rough draft, is that I am going to go to see Def Leppard, Motley Crue, and Poison at Wrigley Field because I think it'll be hilarious. I think it'll be fun. You know me. You know me. And I am kind of a alt rock guy and modern rock, and I listen to a lot of new music. But I'm at, like I'm okay. Like I've forgiven the hair bands for what they put us through in the '80s because things got better. This is like forgiving Bill Buckner. It's like all those years later, or Leon Durham if you're a Cubs fan, or fill in the blank Cubs player. It's it's time for forgiveness, and it's time for me to not only forgive all those hair bands, but to support them. But I actually liked Def Leppard when I was high school. Like Def Leppard and Bon Jovi were actually kind of cool. Um, so I was I was down with Def Leppard. I did not like Motley Crue. I hated Poison. Uh, but I I will go there and enjoy them. And I will I I'm gonna bring my I'm gonna actually bring a sign that says I forgive you. I forgive you. And I think that a lot of people maybe it's time because they got shoved out. They they're all those bands, they kind of had to retire at that point. They had to stop. They had to put the brakes on. And they were all rich, and nobody was crying poor. And they found ways to make money, and they still had their core of fans. But, man, they, they almost went extinct <laughs> during that era. So forgiveness is coming, and if it's safe in August, maybe that will be my first foray back into being around a so I don't know. I don't know. If, like by August, I mean, how many people would they let into a concert? I I don't know, but I think I want to find out. I have not purchased the tickets yet. I I know that they would. I'd get my money back, but I just don't know if I'm ready to make the commitment. The only concert that I had and and lost the the tickets to last year. I actually didn't lose the money. I ended up getting the money back, but that was Rage Against the Machine. They were supposed to be at United Center, but that was prime pandemic, so it never happened. But they were awesome and got my got my cash back on on that one. All right, um, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Saw a couple of people hanging in there. Wanted to do some some Bears stuff, so we'll take those calls when we get back. If you want to participate, too, on whether or not you would go to a Cubs or Sox game, 312-644-6767. Love to hear your thoughts on that. And we will talk about the Chicago Bulls. Chris Emma talking Bears at 8 o'clock. I'm Mark Grody. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score. And 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station.
Hi, man. It's obviously a, a very unique situation where two franchise quarterbacks might be available in Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. How surprised are you about that news, which has ruled the NFL this offseason? And do you allow yourself to think about the possibility of them if you're thinking about all of the possibilities with this team? Yeah, obviously, I can't get into any of that because those guys are, you know, all these players are under contracts. And so it's just to me, I have no idea. Uh, we, we have to, from our end, we have to look at it like the guys that, that we know their contracts are up and that's what we do. And so we just stick to that plan and that's not something that I can even get into. Pull the cord, Grody strikes out. You know, it's like, I was talking about this yesterday. It's like, sometimes you try and you see what their tone of voice is and if you can infer anything. And Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, said all the right things. There's no doubt about it. He can't say. There's no tampering. No, And I was not trying to get him to tamper. No, I wasn't. I'm here with you until 10 o'clock here. We're talking Bears right now. I've got some people waiting on the phone. Got some text messages, too. 312-644-6767. Chris Emma will join us from 670thescore.com to talk more Bears at uh, 8 o'clock. We're talking hockey with James DeVoe. Talking Blackhawks with him at 9 o'clock tonight. A few things from my Twitter, at Mark Grody Sports. The gridiron assassin, my guy, says, hey, at Mark Grody Sports, what do you think the odds are the Bears actually get Russell Wilson? Well, Grid, I don't do odds because I don't really – I kind of understand them. But I, how about if I do percentage? I'll do percentage. My, I think the, the percentage chance that the Bears get Russell Wilson this year is, I'm going to say, 15% chance. And that is so much higher than some people. So I'll say that. Um, from Dylan here at front on my Twitter, I was the maddest 10-year-old on the block when the Bears traded Greg Olson. Yeah, I mean, look, Greg Olson was a hip dude. He was a fast, young tight end. And that's what tight ends became in the NFL eventually. Like, he was like one of the prototypes. And the Bears screwed up. There's no doubt about it when they traded him and settled for or allowed Brandon Malu. Una to be a blocking tight end. So put that on Mike Martz and Jerry Angelo for sure. Um, this, again, on my Twitter from Hightown AK. I remember calling you, and you used the term lovey fatigue. When do we get Pace Nagy fatigue? Will 10-6 and 6 be a no-go? Something stinks about Pace Nagy. I feel a double standard applies. Well, and yeah, I stand by that. I mean, there, there was. Like, when Lovey Smith was fired he was fired after a 10 and 6 season and if you remember that season though it there was a struggle that year it didn't it was kind of like this year for the bears where it didn't feel like playoffs and 8 and 8 should never feel like playoffs but even when the bears were 10 and 6 in that final year with lovey smith it didn't feel like 10 and 6 something about it didn't feel right and if things weren't perfect it was obvious the bears had made up their mind that they were going to do away with with lovey smith and that's exactly what they did and there was that's what there was i mean every there in the i think sometimes the media drives these things for sure just because lovey smith was difficult to deal with now he's a bad that wasn't a bad guy he just didn't say anything like many coaches, and he did it in such a frustrating j- Southern gentleman type of way. And I do think that there was some of that that actually existed, the, the lovey fatigue. Now, as for Pace Nagy, I mean, that could happen as well. I mean, I think that some of that is setting in as well. I think it's different, though, because Lovey Smith was there for nine years, and 
these guys, what, um, this is going to be Nagy's fourth year and for Pace's seventh year. Did I get that right? I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it could start to set in. I don't think it has with Nagy completely, but with Pace, I mean, he's probably on the clock and he knows it. And I think that that's good because that's why I give the Bears a 15% chance of getting Russell Wilson. Um, okay. Yeah, that was, I can't, there's too many swear words in that particular tweet, but you can. You can look at Twitter if you want to find that fun at Mark Grody Sports. All right, to the phone lines now, and I appreciate you guys hanging out and waiting. We start with Derek. Hello there, Derek, on the south side. Hi, how you doing, Mark? I am well. How are you? Good. I want to say I would like the Bears to draft a quarterback and develop a quarterback. Someone like a Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. Felipe Franks from Arkansas or Kyle Trash from Florida. One of those three quarterbacks in the second and third round, they need to develop them. Stop trading for quarterbacks because I'm 58 years old and I've seen the trades the Bears made for quarterbacks like Mike Phipps. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> see that again. <laughs> I understand. You know, I don't want to see that. And all these people on the score, they wasn't around back then. I saw the Bears every. I've been looking, watching the Bears ever since 1968. They don't know our struggle. No. My last game was that All Star game in 1976 when it was a storm. And that was the college All Star game. I would refuse to go to a Bears game until <laughs> the McCaskey Seller team start drafting quarterbacks and developing them. That's all I got. Derek, Derek, wait a minute, my friend. You're obviously a big Bears fan. You say you haven't been to like a Bears game since '76. Yeah, the All Star game. Yeah, what about the '80s, man? I didn't too much like them because the only time I, I was gonna, I didn't like them because of the ownership, and it, and it proves the ownership. I mean, when you don't sign Wilbur Marshall, you know, and don't develop players like James Scott, Ricky Watts. Oh, my God. Why should I go? Wow. I love the names you are dropping here today, man. So we got a Mike Phipps, a James Scott. Who was the other one you just said? Ricky Watt, the wide receiver. Oh, my God. You are doing. You are stimulating childhood for me right now, Derek. And I, and that, I remember that 1974 draft when they drafted Dave Gallagher and the Bass could have drafted Lance Swan. <laughs> Oof. Ooh, so, see, I can't play that game. I don't know the Gallagher name. I was I was two in nineteen seventy. Yeah. So yeah. See, these core fans <laughs> don't know. Draft they don't know our struggle. I know. <laughs> Draft a quarterback. Don't be trading for one. But I don't know. Did you see the all uh, the uh, Senior Bowl? Kellen Mond looked at real good. Okay, I haven't done a whole lot of homework on some of those guys, but I will I will take your word for it. I'm actually. I'm going to try to get a draft guy on maybe for tomorrow night so we can start to zero in on some of those, the guys that the Bears might be able to get, at, whether it's at 20 or beyond the first round. So I appreciate your call, Derek, for sure, man. And I do hope that, that things get better. I do think you should have been at a Bears game or two, though, in the in the 80s. Especially, I mean, come on. I mean, the buildup, that 84 season what they did in the Willie Galt catch in Washington. Oh, my God. So good. But, Derek, I appreciate the call. 312-644-6767 is the number. Let's go to Mark on the north side. 
Hi, Mark. You're on the score. Yeah, how you doing, Broad? I'm great, man. Yeah. How are you, Mark? Yeah, man. Okay, listen. Uh, you know, I listen. I hear you talking a lot. And uh, just before I talk about the Bears, I was just wondering, how are those eggs doing? You don't talk about them no more. <laughs> Yeah, you're talking you're about the right? fact that I made a, I used to make a big deal about all the hard-boiled eggs that I, I was eating because it's there's a there's a pandemic shortage right now with hard-boiled eggs. At least the source my source for my hard-boiled eggs has dwindled. I used to go to a hotel right near the the studios and that hotel the 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 fake Starbucks there cuz it's like a hotel Starbucks so it's like they have Starbucks products, but it's not really Starbucks. You know what I'm saying? But they had awesome hard-boiled eggs, but that place has been closed. So I am, I have, I, and I guess I'm just too lazy to make my own. So I've, I've been off the hard-boiled eggs for a while. Life is tough, man. Yeah, because you used to talk about them all the time. You used to bring them up to yeah. the studio. And you don't talk, I was just wondering if you're still eating them. No, I appreciate you asking about it. I still eat eggs, but just the, the hard-boiled egg. My my hard-boiled egg eating career is is on hold, but it's. You know, I'm glad that you asked. I appreciate it. What else, Mark? Yeah. Well, well uh, you know, getting about the Bears, you know, I listen to the score enough, and I, I, I'm getting sick of hearing about this quarterback thing with Watson and, and, and Russell. And, you know, I hope the Bears, in my opinion, because it's not going to be good that they don't get either guy. I know a lot of people are going to hate me for that. I do like the Bears a lot and all that. It's because they're going to have to give up too much and they're going to deplete the team and it won't be it won't be that strong anymore even if they get one of them. And if they did, the one I would want them to get would be Watson because he's seven years younger. What do you think about that? And then I have one more thing to bring up. Yeah, real quick, Mark, what you're saying is correct because I think that if the Bears were to get one of those quarterbacks, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, I was talking about this yesterday, yeah, you probably would deplete some of your roster. You would deplete some of your future first-round picks for sure. And I, I said it's possible you would have to. The opportunity cost might be a bad season in 2021. And I asked Bears fans, are you willing to take that, to get Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, to have a 6-10 and 10 season? And then, because in the NFL, Mark, you could rebuild it quickly and you could rebuild it twice as fast when you have the better quarterback. And I said yes. So, Mark, let me ask you that question. Let's say the Bears did get one of those quarterbacks. What if you, if you had to have one year where where the the Bears are are not good? Let's just say they're a four to five to six win team. Would you accept that in the name of being good the following year? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of I'm I'm more like uh, Grabber's age, so I don't have a lot of time. So I still would do it though. But I would oh, okay. still would want Watson because he's younger. He's younger. Let's let's get back to the hard boiled eggs. Do you eat hard boiled hey. eggs? Uh, very seldom, very seldom, very seldom. I have one other thing I wanted to ask you, and if the Grabber was with you, he would know this answer. You know, the All-Star game would. was on last night, the basketball All-Star game, and they had yeah. a slam dunk contest. Now, I believe there's only been one white guy to win the 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 uh, the slam dunk contest, and what? The, the dunk he did, the dunk he did was the one that Michael Jordan did in 1988. Can you name that white guy? Uh, yo, yeah, Brent Barry, Brandon Fry. Did you say yeah. that on the air? Or was that in my ear? I don't even know if that was that on the air, Brandon Fryer, because I want you to have full credit for that. Oh no, I, I said I said it in your ear. Oh, you tried to make me look smart. You're a good producer, <laughs> but yeah, Brent Barry. What year? What year did he do it? What year? What year was it, Fryer? Ninety-seven. Ninety-six. Oh, ninety-seven. He beat me to it. I was about to say ninety-seven. Ah, uh, ninety-seven. It was ninety-six. It was 96. 90. It was 96. All right. 
You got to get and your facts straight. It was a, it, the dunk that won it for him was the Michael Jordan dunk, where he he took off from the foul line right to the basket. It was a, he, he was good. He was good. He was good. He was good. You know, and I saw yeah, it today no. on uh, the video. It was it was impressing. It was impressing. So Brad Barry, uh, Rick Barry's kid, won won the dunk contest in '96, which was good. How about that? Well, you got you got me on that one. You did not get uh, Brandon Fryer though. So, all right. Well, is that it, my man? Is that you. it, Mark? Are we cool? You. Yeah. You got yeah, me, man. I, I I had forgotten. I should have remembered. I'm a bad basketball fan. Sorry. To you and uh, Danny Parkins together, it's like Abbott and Costello. You guys are the best. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate the call. I love, I love working with Danny Parkins, too. I don't think that there has been one time, though, where I've thought that we were a who's on first type of tandem. You know? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, hard-boiled eggs. All right, let's um, 312-644-6767. Let's go, to, let's go to Gunther in Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, Gunther. You're on the score. Gunther. Ah, oh, we lost Gunther. Gunther was, I think, after the call from from Mark, he was he said, you know what? There's no way I can follow something up like that. All right, let's um, let's take a couple of these text messages then. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the number. Yeah, from the six three zero, because I was talking about the fact that I might still attempt to go to the the Motley Crew Poison. Def Leppard concert at Wrigley Field in August. Somebody shot back, and this is more my style. The 630 also Wrigley show in August will be Green Day, Weezer, and Fall Out Boy. Here's where I am with those three bands. Ready for this? Green Day, who I actually have seen because they were at Lollapalooza. I don't think I stayed for the whole thing, though. I saw, So I saw some Green Day. Green Day falls into a very specific category with me. Green Day is not a band that I seek out. Like, I don't seek out Green Day music. I don't think I've ever once been in the mood to hear Green Day where I'm like, oh, I, I got a Green Day itch. But the, the category they fit in is category I would totally go see them in concert, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, those kind of bands. Like, I don't necessarily want to hear but but they probably put on a good show and i do know their music and their music is not bad so that's where i am with green day weezer is a band that i would seek out but i've never seen weezer the dirty little secret about weezer they rock man forget about like the cover they did of asia like those boys my name is jonas come on that's hard rock weezer they are playful though um so i would seek them out have never seen them and then Fallout Boy um, is another band. I probably like. I would totally go see Fallout Boy, and I've seen like them perform like songs because they've done stuff at Wrigley Field before. Back when I was doing pre and post, they would occasionally do stuff before games and and sing and whatnot. But um, they, uh, yeah, they, they're a band that I would totally see. So maybe I don't know. We'll see if if things are right in August. I'll just be going to concerts left and right. From the 269, if the Bears really wanted Wilson, they would do it. They will do what they typically do and pretend until the last minute and settle for less. Well, no, I mean, it's very possible they're not going to get Russell Wilson, but they're trying. Trust me. They are trying to do anything they can to upgrade the quarterback position. 
you know, whether they're able to accomplish it or not, I don't know. But I promise you, they are, they're trying. More calls coming up. 312-644-6767. Chris Emma will restore order for the show coming up at 8 o'clock. He is a Bears beat man for 670thescore.com. He covers other things as well. There was a really interesting tweet that was put out by somebody from Deadspin that caused Chicagoans to become absolutely indignant. I want to talk about that next as well. It's Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. I did just hear that news, actually, when I got back in from practice. And, you know, it's a start, man. It's a start. It's definitely better than opening day with what we had last year. We obviously get to kick it off in April, and you know we get to start the year off with some fans in the stands, and hopefully that number increases gradually throughout the year. Yeah, man. That is Jason Hayward, who was on the Lawrence Holmes Show today on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score and the, the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, made it official today by saying that yeah starting at the beginning of the season both the Cubs and White Sox will be allowed to have fans obviously limited both around 8,000 plus fans for the Cubs and the White Sox so that's pretty cool I don't know where people are with that how motivated you are to go to a game and and still be around other people albeit there will be many protocols still you will be well spaced and there will be things that will be put in place that probably would not be there if it were not in the midst of a pandemic where things are obviously getting a lot better I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Probably not April or May, but as things roll on and I get that shot eventually, hopefully, then then yeah, I'll I'll start to consider it. But I'd be interested to see if they will get 8,000 fans in both ballparks on opening day. My guess is, my guess is, is that since we are such a large metropolitan area, that there will be capacity in both those games for the Cubs and the and the White Sox. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is a Grody show in for the Joe O show. Got Emma, Chris Emma, coming up at 8 o'clock to talk more about the Bears. Right now, it is Gina. Damn. In McKendry. What's going on, Gina? You're on the score. I just got back from the NASCAR weekend in Las Vegas. Hmm. Okay. And they allowed 12,000 fans for each of the three races, and each race was sold out. It was fun. Um had no problems, wasn't concerned about much of anything. Have you gotten the shot yet, Gina? Yes, I work in a hospital, so I do have the shot. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, so how many, because I was not aware that this was, was going on in Vegas, so how many fans were there at this NASCAR event? 12,000. Oh, that's cool. So what How? What was the protocol like? I mean, obviously you still had to wear the masks. Did they have other things like physically in place in terms of keeping you guys extra safe? Like, give me, give me a little bit more of the rundown and the way it felt and what they did and what you could and couldn't do while you were there. Well, they took our temperature on the way in. All right. And um, they did digital tickets this year. And you had to – I have clubhouse seats. Um, we had to get little wrist tags. For each day so that only certain people can go to certain areas but uh, I was in a clubhouse with maybe 30 other people uh, met up with my friends that I see there twice a year neither none of them have had their shots and okay we had a really nice time 
Cool. How hesitant were you about going in? And like, was it one of those things where you were hesitant and then you got there and it was like, all right, this is awesome. No, because I not only had had the shots, but I've also had COVID. So I've got plenty of antibodies. (laughs) I got you. Gina, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, I actually, I probably had an experience the other night that where I was around more people than I have been since pre-pandemic for the first time. God, I just like today's Monday, right? Yes. So it was on Saturday night. I I went out to dinner at one of our wonderful steakhouses in Chicago, and they are allowed 50% capacity. And I didn't know, like I still like I've been to restaurants throughout the pandemic when they were allowing even fewer people in. It was like barely anybody, and so and it was like wonderfully spaced and. You know, at places that I, I go to that are generally packed or there's lines for or you can't get in without a reservation. You guys all know the places I'm talking about. And, um, you know, and it was cool. Like you felt safe and it was no big deal and all that kind of stuff. So I go to this this steakhouse on Saturday night and it 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 was definitely 50 percent capacity and it was jovial there and. Like people were ready, man. People were ready to be out and there was no hesitancy. And it was like, it was odd, like being around a lot of people. And it was, it felt good. It felt good. Like even like I live in the city and even walking there and just seeing people out and like a different, a slightly different level of enthusiasm. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So I, I, yeah, I just, I, 50% 50% capacity at a restaurant is one thing. 8,000 people is another thing. But I don't, I won't rule anything out at this point. All right, so this, this, uh, this tweet from a uh, a gentleman by the name of Karan J. Phillips, he of Deadspin. I felt bad for this guy because he tweeted the following last night. He's, <laughs> oh Karan, he said. Saying that Loyola is in Chicago is like saying Villanova is in Philly. Yeah, okay. That's what he said. He thinks that he thinks that Loyola is not in Chicago. And oh God, did he get the wrath of Chicago? We how you doing, Chicago? We are all very, very territorial and very proud of our city of Chicago as we should be. And damn it, we know it's imperfect, but boy, did they, boy, was it protected. <laughs> I mean, when I took the screenshot, I mean, this is last night. It would probably be more by now. I didn't look at the fresh one. I'm just looking at the screenshot that I took. There, there was 222 quote tweets <laughs> and like a million responses, like with these very indignant Chicago, but Mr. Phillips, I've lived in Chicago forever. I'll tell you right now, exactly. Even Chris Ranji was in on it, and he just posted the address, 1032 West Sheridan in Chicago. The, oh, boy, the Rogers Park people came to bat. Like, I love our city, and we just, this this poor guy, it, 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 it didn't get ugly necessarily, but it was just very pointed, very indignant, very don't try to tell us where Loyola is. Don't you dare. How dare you, sir? That's what was going on. I, and I, like I said, I, I was I was kind of sifting through, through during the break. I, di- I don't know if I if he still has it up, um, but yeah, he was wrong. And I think the most 
I think the answer was, and I, I went through as many of the responses as I could because they were just hilarious. I, there's something about indignancy when people know they're right that just cracks me up. I don't know what it is. Like that, that it, it happens in driving a lot where you know that somebody in front of you is doing something like that indignant honk. Like the arrow is green. You have to go because with Chicago and you only get seven seconds on a green arrow. So you better go. I'm right. And you're wrong. And in this case, everybody, everybody was absolutely right. That Loyola is part of the great, big, beautiful city of of Chicago. But the answer was the best answer that I got is this person. He must have thought that it was Northwestern, which is in Evanston, which is not Chicago. So, you know, that that's that's what I think maybe he was thinking. And if he had said that about Northwestern, then he's on to something. But by saying that Loyola is not in Chicago, Chicago, uh, there are a lot of people that live in this city the suburbs and um yeah he got taken down he got taken down just a, a little bit so <laughs> you gotta know you gotta know um, i'm mark grody i'm in for joe o tonight coming up next i'm gonna bring in my guy my score teammate from 670thescore.com the the guy who in normal times i sit next to out at hallis hall in our respective little cubicles and i will talk to chris emma next about the chicago bears on chicago sports radio 670 the score we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.